Welcome to Look What She Built, where we show you examples of what an iconic woman leader looks like. I'm your host, Jamie Rowe, and I'm so excited to have you here. I created Look What She Built because I want to celebrate the bold, the brave, and badass women who are doing business in their own way. In this podcast, we're going to interview and celebrate these women business owners, as well as bring on experts that can help us dive deep on topics like sales, self-care, money mindset, and more. So let's dive in and show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Hello, everyone. This is Jamie Rowe from Look What She Built podcast. I have Spencer Snakered with me today. Spencer, how are you today? Fabulous. How are you? So good. Um, I'm going to read your bio because um, you've got some goodies in here today. And I prom- if I mispronounce something, will you please? Yes, you'll let me know. Okay. <laughs> Again, like if, I if said, it's brutal, yes, sure. Yeah. Like I said, I was homeschooled for two years. So, you know, we can take what we can get here. So, okay. So Spencer is an executive transformation coach, trainer, and speaker. She helps visionary entrepreneurial women leaders break through upper limits so they can turn their mission into a world-changing movement without life-sucking consequences. With 25 years of experience, her transformative programs cause profound and lasting shifts in participants' lives by getting to the heart of what drives us, what holds us back, and what it takes to be truly fulfilled as spiritual beings having a human experience. Helping clients get out of their own way, she has taken them from self-limiting beliefs that are putting a ceiling on their revenue and impact, excuse me, to multiple seven-figure years with the business and life of their design. Now, Spencer has a degree in psychology and extensive training in leadership and ontology, which we're going to talk about today. She is a success principles trainer, a yoga instructor, and a professional certified coach who brings a sense of play and humor into all of her work. She married the love of her life, which I'm sure that'll come up sometime though as we talk here, uh, with the combined family of four children, ages 15 to 26, and they spend their summers in Maine. How fun. I've never been to Maine. Everyone's oh, in the yeah. summer. Yeah. It's the best. Fabulous. Time. Maine is fat. Yeah. Summer and summer on the coast, especially is fabulous. What do you do in Maine? Like, is it hiking or is it playing in the There's all kinds of stuff. In fact, we just bought property last summer. We're super excited about on Frenchman's Bay, which is up near Bar Harbor in Acadia National Park. And Acadia is technically they say mountains. I mean, you know, mountains on the East coast are nothing like mountains where you are in the Rockies, but still really, really big hills overlooking the ocean. And there's lots of hiking and biking and kayaking and um, you know, all kinds of good, exciting stuff. So, and part of Maine is just like, just being there and looking out at the water and taking deep breaths and loving life. Mm, that sounds so nice. Anything just relaxing and chill, um, yeah. being outside. I love yes. outside. My mom and I have always referred to Maine as our soul food. Our family's been going up there since the early 1900s. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, you know, it's always nice to hear how people wake up in the morning and start their day. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this beautiful sacred time. If you don't have little ones to tend to, um, or someone else is helping tend to little ones, but what is your morning routine? I'm just curious. 
Yeah, I, I like to have my time to start my day. I, I really am not one to spring into action first thing in the morning. And so I, I usually have my calendar blocked until 10 a.m. at least. And um, most days are some kind of exercise in the morning. We, we live on a uh, kind of a rural, like a gravel single lane road out in the countryside with lots of woods and surrounding farmlands and stuff, but mostly woods. And so I like to go for a nice long walk in the morning. And I used to try to multitask sometimes and then quickly decided that was no good. Like I wanted to just be on my walk and listening to the rustle of the leaves and taking some deep breaths. And sometimes my husband comes with me as well. And so we'll, you know, it's time to just talk and connect and stuff. So, um, usually some kind of exercise, a leisurely healthy breakfast, getting ready, kind of taking my time. And then usually by about 10, I'm ready to get started with stuff. Mm -hmm. I love that. And such a great opportunity. I mean, especially not to wake up to, I don't know if you wake up to an alarm. Do you wake up to an alarm? Uh, sometimes during the school year, I have to, because I drive my teenager to high school. We had, she's kind of at a school that she like a magnet type school. And so there's no bus service to our house. So yeah, that's kind of a bummer when the alarm goes off, but I certainly much prefer, I was just, I was actually very aware this morning of how much I appreciated not having an alarm to wake up to this morning. <laughs> Isn't the best where you just wake up to whatever? Yes. Like you, uh, like this morning I heard some birds actually, I have blue jay out my window right now they're very loud yes sometimes that wakes me up I'm like this is the best part of my day just yeah just enjoying nature yeah okay let's talk about breaking through upper limits so um I know we talked a little bit and I think that it's just interesting that and and I know that you've seen this too when you see people who are really successful in life people see women men whoever the case are really making a big impact in the world um, they have found a way to break through limits, self-limiting beliefs, um, subconscious autopilot things that are happening in the back that, you know, a lot of people don't even realize what's going on. So I would love to hear a little bit about, Hey, how do you get into this work of breaking upper limits for people? Cause this sounds so fun. I like have a vision of like a baseball bat and glass shattering everywhere. So yeah. tell me a little bit how you got involved with this. Yeah. So, um, I, I, first off, I think I've always kind of been wired this way. I mean, even from the time that I was a kid, I feel like I always have just seen possibilities for things and seen like, we never have to just sort of take the hand that we're dealt in life. There's, um, you know, there's always other options and things. And, and part of that, I think I got from my mom. That was, I think some environmental influence because my mom had a saying of there's always a way. Um, and so, you know, if there was something that, that she was trying to, to work out or to do, it was like, there's always a way, you know, you just got to ask, you're not asking the right questions or the right person. Otherwise, like ask somebody else or find another a way into it. So, um, so I think part of it is that, and just when, you know, when we think upper limits, it's sort of that some may think of it as a glass ceiling. I, I loved what you said with the baseball bat. I have a visual sometimes of like a, almost like being trapped in a cave in a rock wall and taking a huge sledgehammer to bust the rock open and, and break out to the light of day and the limitless options out there. So I think I've just kind of always seen the world this way as possible. Like there's, there's always a way there's always possibilities. So I, I went to college and got a degree in psychology, but knew as I was going through my psych program that I was like, I don't really want to work with people with mental problems per se. And <laughs> And my degree goes back far enough. It predated positive psychology. So Wait. that wasn't, so that wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> I do want to say too, is you we don't want to work with people with mental prompts. Like you've been entrepreneurs, right? Like we're all a very interesting <laughs> bunch of people. Let's we're all a hot mess. We don't have men. Like we're, if you go, yes. if you're an entrepreneur, 
you're a little bit crazy. And that <laughs> is a quote from Barbara, who's from uh, Shark Tank. Courtney. Oh, yes. Barbara. Yes. 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 Something. Yeah. She said all entrepreneurs are a little bit crazy. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I knew my draw was more toward the, what now maybe is considered positive psychology, but wanting to think, how can people live the best life and the most fulfilling life and, you know, be able to get, create anything they want to create. And so I was really fortunate about a year or so after I graduated, a friend of mine introduced me to a weekend seminar program that was kind of out of the the, the human potential movement um, and spent a few days in this program, <clears throat> excuse me, that was very much about possibilities and letting go of baggage or things from the past that weigh us down. And, um, you know, even just for myself personally, one of my big breakthroughs just in that weekend was I had 10 years, I had struggled with eating disorders and I'd been through therapy and read every self-help book in existence at that time on it and wasn't physically harming myself anymore, but also felt like I was always going to have to deal with it and manage it. It kind of like, you know, it was like a little bit of a noose around my neck and, um, one conversation and this weekend coaching program, not even me personally being coached, witnessing an interchange between the instructor and someone else. And I had this insight of like, oh my gosh, I don't need this anymore. I don't need to keep myself held down with this. I can be free from this. And, you know, so it's, it's these things that sometimes the people come out of them and go, what the hell did they do in there? What kind of Kool-Aid were you drinking? But, but it's really, it was shifts. It was really just shifts in perspective. And it was, you know, for me with that in particular, it was like, I saw what I was getting out of being broken. And I'm using air quotes for that, for people that are listening and, and not watching, but um, you know, there was this like belief of brokenness I had about myself that I got to be right about and got to like make my parents wrong for what terrible parents they were that they ruined me. And I had eating disorders, you know, and I was like, okay, but that's kind of a loaded bunk. And I don't really believe that anymore. And that certainly isn't serving me and getting where I want to get in life. So maybe it's time to let that one go. And so I just like right out of the gate from the introduction to this kind of work was like, this is it. This is what I was put on this earth for. And I want to bring this to others and, and share these, just a new way of being able to see and, and, and approach things and not by me telling them, this is how you need to see it, but by through coaching of helping people see for themselves, okay, well, what do you want? And what's it going to take to get there? And what's in the way between how here and there, and what can you do differently? Or how can you approach it differently? And, um, to open things up. And it's always amazing to me just sometimes by even creating that opening for people, the magic that can happen from that. Yes. Almost like the re everything you touch turns to magic, especially with clients. Sometimes when you can, when you know, in a session that they've had a major aha moment. Yes. I, exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, what are your options? There's just option a, you do this, there's option B. And then what's option C? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, um, maybe it's do nothing. Yes. And he froze. I thought zoom is frozen. I'm like, <laughs> you cool, man. Yeah. And he's like, Oh my gosh. I didn't, I'm like, that's a choice to do nothing. Yeah. So that's a very small minor thing, but as a coach, right. Asking those questions, Yeah, you know, but it can change everything like it did for you in that retreat. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a big shift. I mean, it's a small shift. Oh, it's huge it though. Big results. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. 
hundred percent. I had a client say to me one time, and just in our discovery call, she said something about something she was thinking. And without even realizing I was saying it, I kind of muttered under my breath. Yeah. Well, just because you think a thought doesn't mean it's true. And she later told me, she was like, Spencer, when you said that the ground literally shook under my feet and I had to sit down because I felt like I couldn't even stand up. Like at the fuzz, she said, it had never occurred to me before in my life that a thought in my head was anything but true. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All those beautiful realizations. That's probably the best part of coaching. Yeah. You know, when you see they have that aha moment, especially when they're breaking through a limit, like an upper limit that's an upper limit for them. We all have as entrepreneurs. And um, and also too is just having moments of I'm broken. That's it. Yeah. I'm broken. This will never be fixed. Like you said, this will always be the noose around my neck. Um, this is just how it's going to be. And I just love that your mom, she, everything is figure outable. I, I have yes. to for Leo yeah. and give her credit because then there's an opportunity that you always look and find a way you won't stop, yeah. which is amazing. I love that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about this. What, where do you think these upper limit, we all have them some form or another, these limits. Yeah. What is the biggest cause? Where do you think it comes from? Uh, ultimately, well, fear is the super direct ultimate answer of that, I think, but fear, you know, some of us don't think we have fear. Like, honestly, even myself a few years ago, as people were talking about, you know, fear, I was like, whatever, I'm not afraid of stuff. I'm fearless. I go out and do things. Yeah. That's part of, that was like part of my identity that I'm fearless. So those of you that think you don't have fear, like there's a little bit probably of a veil going on there, but, but here's really where the fear comes from is our humanity. We, we are human beings in these breakable, bruisable, ultimately limited in many ways bodies. You know, we're at the mercy of things like gravity and lifespan and things like that. And so as in these bodies, we have a need to survive. And ultimately that is our number one need. When you think of all of the span of existence of humanity on the timeline, having a reliable roof over our head and food in our bellies and medicine that can fix anything that's wrong with us is, you know, a tiny little blip at the end of this timeline that we've been on. And so we're really still wired for survival and ultimately not getting kicked out of the cave. We're still like in our caveman brains. And so with that, you know, in in modern times now, not getting kicked out of the cave means early on in life, we kind of learn in our families, who do I need to be to get mom's love and attend mom or dads or whoever your caregiver is to get the love and attention and support. So I don't get kicked out of the figurative familial cave. And, um, you know, we take on these identities of who we think we need to be like the cute one, the smart one, the super achiever, the, um, whatever it may be, the, the, the one who has all the answers, the funny one, the caring one. And so we take on these identities and they, in many ways can be great. In many ways, they get us where we are. And many of my clients are very high achieving people that have had huge successes because of this identity that they have. Um, but at a certain point, they do put limits on us because it's like, we have to be that who am I, if I'm not that, you know, if I'm someone who, um, is a super achiever, then who am I, if I fail, if I'm someone who's super smart, and has all the answers, then who am I if I'm wrong or I have, or I don't know the answer. And so, um, you know, we, we, to a certain point, it's, there are aspects of it that are great, but to a certain point, we need to be willing to say, okay, now who am I really? (laughs) 
<laughs> which may have a lot of similarities. There may be, I, I kind of say that I feel like the identity doesn't fall far from the spiritual tree. So, so I think, you know, there certainly may be some similarities, but we need to be willing to take off that coat of armor and be real and raw and vulnerable and authentic and be willing to get annihilated without it. If, if that's the case to get where we want to be. Sure. Um, and I, I've heard a lot of those identities, you know, coming up that, what if you don't know what your identity is? Yeah. How do That's you figure that out? I, I've yeah. had a lot of clients do the good girl thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, it's very, well, that's, that's not appropriate. That's not what a good girl would do. Yes. One client and I'm like, you need to drop the F-bomb right now. And he's like, <laughs> what? I'm like, say it. I'll say it first. Like, it's okay. Yep. It's all right. Yeah. I want you to be inappropriate and like, let's just release this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess finding out what that is. Yeah. That is part of what I help my clients work through, but just to even give some tips right now to your listeners, you know, part of it is our own words or our own thoughts. Like you just said about, you know, this one who's the good girl. Well, I can't do that. Or that's not the good thing to do, or that's not the right thing to do. A lot of us will even say out loud, or at least think things like I'm the kind of person who, or I'm not the kind of person who, or I'm someone who blah, blah, blah. And so even just to start to tune into or notice those things, there's a lot of clues there for, for who you think you are or who you think you need to be to shine and succeed and, and exist in the world. Sure. Well, and let's talk about too, then with these limits is how do they affect, um, business growth? I yeah, mean, totally. Yeah. How does it affect yeah. Yeah, they, they your business? Like, yep. what have you seen? Yeah. So, um, Gosh, there's so many things. I mean, okay, so one client that I'm working with right now um, was from a grew up in a small rural mining town, um, crazy growing up experiences of abuse and um, literal cult participation that her mom and her grandmother were in a cult, like one of the church elders trying to cast demons out of her when she was five years old. I mean, complete madness. And um, she figured out very early on, this is not me and this is not who I will be. And I'm going to get the hell out of here and worked really, really, really hard to get out of that situation. She studied hard. She worked hard. Um, she ended up graduating high school, I think at age 16 as valedictorian at that. Not only was it early, but as valedictorian um, ended up putting herself through college by the time she was in her twenties, I think even by mid twenties, I can't remember exactly that mid twenties to no more than late twenties. She had a seven figure full service ad agency that was kicking butt and super successful. Um, and so, you know, in many ways that identity of, I have to work hard, got her success, got her what she wanted, but also the limits on that and the upper limits on that were she has to work hard. Like even still, she, you know, part of why she came to me was because she had sold that ad agency, had a massive health crisis that, that had her in the ICU for, I think, three straight weeks. And she had taken a year off to recover from this major, major health crisis she had because she was literally running herself into the ground and not taking care of herself. And so when she came to me, she said, you know, I, I'm starting another business that I want to do more as consulting and, and have more control over how I run it and how much I work and all of that. And she's like, you know, absolutely. I want it to be successful. I'd love to get back to seven figures, million, two million a year, easily, no problem. 
But she said, you know, what I really want more than anything is to be able to just spend time with my family and take the summer off to travel the national parks in an RV and not have to work all the time and, and be okay with that. Like to not, yes, to have accomplishments, but to not need accomplishments to feel worthy and like I'm a valuable human being. And, um, you know, it's, we continuously will find that she'll bump up against this again, you know, as she's consciously trying to create this new, and she has, it's been a couple of years we've been working together and she's, um, in fact, she just started hitting again about being at the monthly revenue for million years, million dollar years. And within the first year, she did go get that RV again, has been traveling some parks with her family. So she's made like awesome strides already in what's happening. And still, as we continue to work together, it, it comes up again sometimes about the, but I've got to work hard, but you know, my clients are counting on me, but I can't just not like her, her husband ended up having a health crisis and she was taking calls from the waiting room of the ICU while he's in the hospital. Cause she didn't want to cancel client meetings. And it's like, you know, it's okay. They can know that you're human. <laughs> they, I, I'm really pretty sure they actually care about you and you're not just like a workhorse to them. And it would be okay if you said, Hey, we're having a medical crisis and I need to cancel. And can we talk next week? So it's, you know, it continues to come up sometimes. And even for her, one of the things she had been wanting to do was create a funnel for some passive revenue to do some online sales, like through Facebook or LinkedIn ads and so forth. And after quite a while of just sort of putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, we finally kind of had a come to Jesus conversation today where I was one day where I was like, all right, look, what's really going on with this. And what we uncovered was she still had this fear that she was going to have to give so much to it, that it was going to eat up her time and her energy and take away from that time with the family, because you got to work hard. You got to earn it through working hard. And if you haven't worked hard, then you're really not worthy and deserving of the success that comes with it. So it's like consciously she knows better, but subconsciously it keeps popping up. And I think it's like a reflex. Like, just like when a doctor hits your knee with the thing and your leg pops out, I feel like the identity kicking in is a reflex. Anytime we feel threatened or anytime there's any sense of maybe there's a saber tooth tiger around that I'm not aware of that identity kicks in to be like, okay, girl, I gotcha. I, I, I know what to do here. And the identity kicks in and we go right back into those old patterns. Yes. It's almost like, um, and I don't remember the part of the brain, but it's a deep groove because yeah. you've done it so many times. Yes. And then you got, it's almost like when they get those ditch witches on the side of the highway and they're digging to put yeah. pipe down. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, now we're going to go across the highway and we're going to make a <laughs> new groove. Yeah. We exactly. got to do this over and over and over again. The muscle yeah. has it so ingrained, especially with identity. Yeah. Yeah, I could it is. relate to that story in so many different ways. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. That's just really interesting. Okay. I want to talk about something we had talked about, um, before the call. Thank you for that story. That's so yeah. helpful. Um, tend and befriend. Yeah. Can we tell yeah. about how this relates to this? I've never heard of yeah. it until you mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. So tend and befriend, you know, I, I don't, I tend to not remember details of things. So I don't remember the woman's name who led the study, but I know it was a UCL, UCLA study around year 2000, um, who we all know about fight or flight. That, you know, we think that's just how we're wired as, an, wired as animals, that it's either we go into fight mode or we f- go into flight to run away from perceived danger. Um, she said, well, wait a minute, pretty much all that research on fight or flight was on males. Do, are females any different? How do we respond to threat? 
or to stress responses. And so what they found through the study is that women tend to respond either with tend or befriend, either tending to our young or our elders, people in need, maybe people that, um, you know, if you think from an animal perspective, again, of if we're in the caves, or out on the plains and there's a threat coming, you know, do we just like take off and leave the little ones or the, the ones who can't keep up to themselves? No, women will tend to kind of circle in and, and help take care of those. Um, and befriend is like creating circles, creating strength in numbers, basically by, um, aligning with others to have that strength in numbers. And so, um, you know, I know that you do a lot of work, especially in your sales on like selling differently, selling with that feminine energy. And so this tend and befriend, I think is very much tapping into that feminine energy of how can we create environments that support us that, that where we have that tend and befriend space to have people that are lifting us up, to have people that have our back, to have people that can call us out when we are getting in our own way or being stopped by fear or talking ourselves out of something that would actually be fabulous or talking ourselves into something that would be detrimental to have that environment of people. And whether that be through a coach or through a group, like a small group or a mastermind or something like that, or, um, even just, a, a even our social networks to be really deliberately designing our environments to be setting us up for spaces that support us and lift us up. Yes. I think of like the, the women, the quilting. Yes. Yes. And sitting around, I remember growing up, my grandmother and my great grandmother lived next door to me, which was such a blessing to have both yeah. them there. And they would make raspberry jelly. We had all mm. these black raspberries in, in a field behind our home. And they did the whole old school with the cheesecloth and they put like a wax seal. And it was all the women in the kitchen with both grandmothers, my mom, and just talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like tending. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, just yeah. a nice beautiful. Thank you for taking yeah. it. Um, which is incredible. That's interesting. So much research. If you've read the book Invisible Women, I, I think I might have heard about that, but I haven't read it yet. Well, it is fascinating. Anyone listening to, um, I had to manage the anger situation, but it shows how women, <laughs> even seatbelts were designed for men. Men are bigger in the mm. upper body, women bigger in the lower body. And so seatbelts were designed. So, so many women were dying in accidents because they were never designed to save women. They were designed to save men. Wow. Um, even medications and things like that were, mm. that's a whole other topic. And I yeah. go on and yeah. on. And we're back. Um, but <laughs> no, I love the work that you're doing because, um, you know, one of my missions is to help more women get to the million dollar mark. It's less than 2% of the women owned businesses. Yes. U S are over a million. Um, and so it's, and it's not always an easy path. Um, yeah. uh, when I had my distribution company and we had over a million, most of my colleagues were men. Mm -hmm. I was, completely. There was very few women to hang out with. I'll tell you that. Yep. So it's not an easy path. So having people like you that can help out, um, guide people in the right direction. So they yeah. don't work their butts off because yeah. of some limiting belief or something like that. Yeah. And so many of us, I mean, what you just said just really paints a picture, I think of how many women leaders and especially women business owners who are leaders of their company or leaders in their field. Um, you know, so many of us think we have to do it the man's way, the masculine way, 
the work your hiney off until you're, you know, collapsing literally like my, my client who ended up in the ICU and, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I think we need to be surrounding ourselves with more like-minded women to one, to, to know that it is possible and kind of see that it can be the new normal, but also too, just for that support and strength and, um, camaraderie there for that. I just hosted my first retreat and had four, it was very small. I rented a house on the beach in North Carolina, uh, like an Airbnb that was right on the beach and um, had four women come. And it was just the most magical experience to create the space for these amazing women business leaders to come together and be able to share and connect and, you know, let down their armor and be real and share their hopes and dreams and challenges. And, um, you know, look at like, okay, how do I move forward in ways that really work? for who I am and what I'm here for and what I really want in my life. I love that. An opportunity again to tend and befriend, but if they're not stressed out, they can just collaborate and be ourselves and relax. It's like when you see people and their shoulders drop and they just fall in and they become their authentic selves. Some of the most like stressed out people when they become themselves, they're the funniest (laughs) people right but they don't feel safe like we need to feel a a safe environment so that they're true authentic that feminine radiance in addition to the masculine presence balance can come forefront because relationships are so much more rich Mm -hmm. when we're when we're available for that so yeah okay how can people find you um what's the best way for people to find you Yeah. Um, you know, I have a bit of a doozy of a name, so probably the best way is to go to transforming millions with an S.com transforming millions.com. That's actually the sign up for a free masterclass that I offer. Um, and so, you know, you're welcome to sign up there. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to continue beyond that, that's okay. Well, that's a good way to connect initially and be able to get all of my, um, contact and so forth. Um, but yeah, just reaching out and the masterclass walks through some of the, my, my three pillars of alignment, insight and reinvention, um, looking at even doing a little bit of a self-assessment on how aligned are you right now? Cause I think if we're not aligned, we will sabotage and we will get in our own way to try to save us from ourselves. So looking, um, at, you know, where you're maybe are out of alignment or have opportunity to get things more aligned, um, getting really a bit of a deeper understanding of some of the aspects of your humanity that may be interfering in that alignment right now. And then looking at what really needs to happen for that reinvention to bring your, your full self into your whole human experience so that you can be creating that business and life of your dreams. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for being on the show, Spencer. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I'm Jamie Rowe with Look What She Built, the one and only podcast that celebrates the brave, bold, and badass women who are doing business their way and telling us about it. Until next time, go show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Please share this with three women because we all need to share positive messages in the world. And if you want to learn more, please connect with me on social at Impact to Income.